Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Hear now the word of the Lord from Mark chapter 9. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, with none that no one on, that no one on earth could bleach. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my son, beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. O gracious Heavenly Father, we give thanks and praise to You. Lord, we give You thanks and praise that Your Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We pray that it would be that to us this morning as we look to the prophets of old, mainly Moses, that we see the glorious truths of the promised Messiah written about in the Old Testament pointing to the fulfillment of Christ to come in the New is concealed in the old, is revealed in the new. We give you thanks and praise. We pray that we would not miss this glorious truth of Christ who has come, the Savior of the world. Lay all these things humbly at your feet, and we pray that you'd help us with the work of the Holy Spirit. We hear your word. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we looked at the transfiguration of Jesus on a high mountain where Jesus went up with His three disciples, Peter, James, and John. And what happened before them was this magnificent event where Jesus was transfigured before them. John writes about it in his prologue to the Gospel, and he explains that the Word became flesh, and and He dwelt among us. And we have seen this glory, His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That here he writes about what he has seen. Peter writes about it in Second Peter as we looked at last week. That the glory and majesty given from the Father bestowed upon the Son at this moment, upon this high mountain. These three disciples go up as Christ is transfigured before them. They're eyewitnesses, Peter says, of this majesty. But on that mountaintop experience, there was two people that appeared with them. Elijah and Moses. Why Elijah and Moses? Why not Isaiah and Abraham? Why not Samuel or David? And this week we're going to look particularly why Moses. Why was Moses on this mountain? Following the resurrection of Christ, he goes and he walks along the road to Emmaus with 
two disciples. These two disciples are sad. They're depressed of what has gone before. And they're depressed of what has happened to Jesus. And Jesus asked them, why are you sad? They said, well, have you not heard of what has happened before? What happened to Jesus of Nazareth? They're perplexed. As we've been looking at that Peter confesses that you are the Christ. Matthew, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus goes in and tells them that the Christ must suffer many things. Peter rebukes him. This is not in their thinking. A lot of the issues that come up in the New Testament when they're talking about the Christ, they didn't expect the Christ to come like Christ came. But Jesus turns with these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And Luke 24, 26 explains that He turned to the prophets to explain that Christ should suffer many things to be able to enter glory. But it says there, beginning in Moses, beginning with Moses, He began to describe to the disciples why the Christ has to come and to suffer. He opens the Scriptures. Reveals all the things concerning Himself. Just before this transfiguration, Paul, uh, Peter had um, rebuked Jesus for saying that the Son of Man must suffer many things. So Jesus goes and explains why did he have to suffer. He turned first to Moses. Even in the early part of Acts, Peter gets up and shares the first sermon and he begins to explain what has happened. In Acts 3.18, he says, What God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. But here, Peter sees what Christ has done, and he sees that Christ is suffer, and that's what he explains. So today, we're ultimately going to look at that question, why did Moses appear on this mountain? And how does Moses point to Christ? The first thing that we see is Moses and God's prophet. You turn back to Exodus chapter 19. We've seen in the study of Mark that if you want to understand a lot of what is written in the Old Testament, you've got to understand the, uh, in the New Testament, you've got to understand the Old Testament. Mainly in Mark, the understanding of who the Christ is. This is what Mark explains right at the beginning. That Jesus, the Christ... Son of God is the gospel, the good news of Jesus the Christ. Peter's confession, that pivot point in the gospel, that Jesus is the Christ. You've got to understand what it is in the Old Testament. And during this section, we see this glorious confession of Peter of saying, Who is Christ? Jesus. He says in Mark 28, 29. Jesus teaches then of the suffering service, the servant. Then he takes these three disciples up to the high mountain. We've noted last week the theme of mountains as the presence of God as you ascend to the top of the mountain. There it is, you meet with God. And in Exodus 19, we see these echoes of what is happening in the New Testament in the Transfiguration. What has happened before this event in 19 
is that people have seen these wonderful events of what God has done, these plagues that have gone through the Passover in chapters 7 to 13. They cross over the Red Sea. The Red Sea is parted. They walk on dry land. In 14 and 15, they sing the Moses song, this glorious deliverance. Cross over and God provides bread from heaven and water from a rock in chapters 16 and 18. But in chapters 19 and 20, then God gives them the law. In chapter 19, they're camped at the foot of Mount Sinai. The people consecrate themselves before the foot of the mountain. But then the mountain is covered with a thick cloud and a sound of thunder. Flashes of lightning. Trumpet sounded and the people of Israel trembled. They've seen these great and glorious events in the past. Parting through the Red Sea, the Passover, but here they tremble at what is happening. The mountain was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended upon it with fire. The mountain trembled, the trumpet continued to increase in volume. And here, on this mountain, the Lord meets with his people. He comes down to the mountain. Not only do we see this glorious event of people going to the top of the mountain to meet with God, but we also see God coming down on the mountain to meet with His people. Even without making one-to-one connections, you can see what is happening in the transfiguration is an echo of what is happening here. The smoke. Christ been there. Cloud and out of the voice, out of the cloud comes a voice. And it's in this moment that God gives Israel the Ten Commandments, the first 18 verses of chapter 20. And following this, God's people are terrified. They're, they trembled. Just like the disciples did. Peter says that he doesn't know why. He said we should make them three-tenths. They were terrified. But they come up and they tell Moses about this event and they say, you speak to us. Verse 19 of chapter 20. And we will listen. But do not let God speak to us lest we die. We looked at last week in Hebrews 1.1. It explains... That long ago, in many places, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And here we see the establishment of the people of Israel saying, we do not want God to speak directly to us. We need a prophet. We need someone to speak to us on our behalf. To speak for God to us. This is exactly what they asked for. They asked for a prophet to come. As for Moses to be the one who spoke to them of what God has said. In Deuteronomy 18, Moses writes of a prophet who's going to come. Deuteronomy 18, verse 15 and 16 says, The Lord, your God, will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. From your brothers, it is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired the Lord your God, at Horeb, 
on the day of the assembly when you said, Let me not hear again of the voice of the Lord my, go- Lord, the Lord, my God, or see this great fire any more lest I die. God spoke through the prophets. As the author of Hebrews said, many ways, many times, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. The second verse in Hebrews then explains this change that happens. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. What is it that God the Father says to the disciples on the mountain through the cloud when the transfiguration happens? God the Father says to them, This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. Now the passage in Deuteronomy says that there's going to be a prophet that is going to come. You shall listen to Him. It's something that happens in the future. When He comes, then you shall listen to Him. But this event that happens on top of this mountain... It's transfiguration. God doesn't say you shall listen to him. He tells them you, shall, you should listen to him. Listen to him, he explains. It's no longer an event that's happening in the future. It is now. Jesus has come. Many ways and many times he spoke to us through the prophets. But now, in the last days, he has spoken to us through his son. This time has come and the great prophet has come. In the book of Acts and And Peter and Stephen both explain that Jesus is the prophet which is told about in Deuteronomy 18. In Acts 3.22 and then 37 verse 37. That they reveal that Moses wrote about this prophet who was to come. This great prophet, greater than Moses. God affirms that Peter and Stephen in Acts The Gospel of Luke actually explains that Jesus, Moses, and Elijah were there talking on top of the mountain. Actually, says in Luke chapter 9 that they're speaking of Christ's exodus, his departure. But that word is exodus, the same word that was used of the exodus. That Christ is now the Moses who is not just speaking as the prophet, he's leading us out of the slavery of sin. That's exactly what a prophet is to do a prophet is to speak but those who he speaks to their job is to listen the commandment is not to jesus to speak the commandment is given to his disciples to listen if you've ever read through the old testament ever read through the prophets you'd be amazed at how stubborn they are time and time again this is what god says I have no other gods before me. Remember the Sabbath. Do not murder. Do not kill. Don't bow down to idols. Time and time again. And what do they do? They don't listen. They're a stubborn and a stiff-necked people. God speaks and tells us to listen to Jesus and what He's told us in His Word. But do we? Easy to point the finger and say, well, that's what they did. But are we stubborn? Are we stiff-necked? Do we seek to hear and listen actively? Or what happened in Acts when Stephen was proclaiming that Christ has come? 
he explains as he looks up and sees an image of Jesus, the Son of Man, sitting at the right hand of the Father. What do the people do? They don't listen. They block their ears with their fingers. They start talking loudly. For Christ has come to speak. Weeks ago, we were reminded of Christ's teaching to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow Him. How quickly we probably have forgotten that. The second thing that we see is Moses and God's presence in Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24, Moses, with three men, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, seventy elders come to the foot of a mountain. And God tells Moses to go on top of the mountain. Moses takes Joshua on top of the mountain and this cloud covers the mountain for six days. This reference of six days also appears in the Gospel of Mark where it says after six days, after in verse 2, this, mountain, this cloud is covered for six days. And following the six days, the Lord speaks to Moses from a cloud. Again, does this sound familiar to you? God continues to provide Moses with instructions for the people of Israel to make a sanctuary or a holy place for the purpose that God would dwell in their midst. Exodus 25 verse 8 explains, Let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. This is the tent of meeting in which God would go with them and dwell in the midst of them. God gave Moses' specific instructions of what was to be included in this tent of meeting. The Ark of the Covenant, the dimensions of all things, the mercy seat that sits upon the Ark of the Covenant, the bread of presence, the table of presence, what the priests were to wear. Again, the author of Hebrews points back and says that these things, the tent of meeting in this place, were just a shadow and a copy of heavenly things. We looked at last week when the temple was dedicated by Solomon in 1 Kings 8, built on top of a mountain, Mount Moriah. Then a cloud descends and fills the temple. It says in 1 Kings 8 that it was the glory of God that was in the temple. So much that the priests could not even labor in the temple. They had to leave. The presence of God was so thick here this ark of the covenant was set in place but then Moses is uh, told about this but in the transfiguration it's not the ark of the temple which is the center of this glory cloud that descends it's Jesus God with his people what the author of Hebrews explains is a shadow and a copy of things, heavenly things, now dwells in the midst of them. Later in Hebrews, the author explains that Christ entered heaven itself to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. He comes as a mediator. The law given to Moses explains that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. The tent of meeting described to Moses he stood on the mountain in Exodus 24. Shows God's presence in the midst of His people, in the middle of His people. 
God came down in a cloud, rested in the middle of the cherubim above the mercy seat. Isaiah explains that Christ will be God with us. Emmanuel. The holy place spoken of in Exodus 24 is a shadow and a copy of heavenly things. Christ is the opposite of the shadow. He's the light. Christ is not the copy. He's the original. Jesus is God and God is with us. And on this mountain in Exodus chapter 24, Moses received the blueprint of this heavenly design on this mountain. Now thousands of years later, Moses stands on top of this mountain, not with a blueprint, not with a shadow, not with a copy, but with Christ in flesh, the glory of God amongst us, as John writes about, full of grace and truth. God's presence on earth. Third thing that we see is Moses and God's mediator. In Exodus chapter 33. After Moses comes down from the mountain, he has two stone tablets of the testimony written by the finger of God. And as Moses is meeting with God on the mountain, the people are down at the foot of the mountain, not worshiping, not praising God. But under the instruction of Aaron, they're making themselves a golden calf. And they claimed after they made this golden calf that this is the golden calf. This is the gods, they explain, who brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they start worshiping this golden calf. The Lord tells Moses that He will consume them. Exodus 32, verse 10. But Moses is mediator who implores God to remember His promises that He made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But even after seeing the Israelites sin, Moses speaks to the people of God. He says, you have sinned a great sin. And now I will go up to the Lord and perhaps I can make an atonement for your sin. He goes up there and he intercedes for God's people on their behalf. Moses asks God if he has found favor in his sight. God had given him instructions that Moses was then to hide in the cleft of a rock. That God would pass by. And no one shall see God's face and live. So God tells Moses to ascend to the top of the mountain. And God again descends in a cloud. Moses going up, God coming down to His people. It explains in Exodus chapter 34, verse 5, that the Lord stood with Moses. Then the Lord passed by Moses and proclaimed. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, 
forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses' response is, Fall down and worship in glory and honor to God. To worship Him. And when Moses descends from the mountain, his face shines. Because he had been talking with God. Again, you see these echoes. Mountain. The cloud descending. God speaking. A face shining. Luke explains that Jesus actually went up to the top of the mountain to pray. To talk to His Father. And then, Jesus' face then shone like the sun. But here, Moses acts as a mediator for God's people. But so too, Christ is our mediator. Paul writes in 1 Timothy, There is one God. There is one mediator between God and men, and the man, Christ Jesus, who gave Himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Now we always in our life are trying to cut out the middle men. The middle men that make our life difficult, that take a little bit of cream off the top. However, we need a middle man. We cannot approach God. Moses couldn't even see his face. He had to hide in a cleft of a rock that God might pass by. And even just seeing the back of God, his face shone like the sun. This is Moses, not the people of Israel. The people of Israel are here singing and dancing around this golden calf, worshiping this golden calf. What would happen to the people of Israel? But here, the glory of God passes by. And Moses was the mediator to God's people, but Moses was just a shadow of what is to come. Christ is the God-man who is the mediator between man and God. Do you think we can approach God with our sin-stained hearts? The Holy One of Israel. The One who has cried out, Holy, Holy, Holy. Yet we come. Not just with a little bit of sin, but sin throughout all of our body. If we were to approach God without a mediator, we would have to face wrath and judgment. However, if we come in the name of Christ, if we come through this mediator who gave his life as a ransom for all, Paul writes in Timothy to Timothy. We come then not as enemies of God, but His children. Because we come through a mediator. The last thing we see is Moses and God's Son. The thousands of years pass by after what has happened, what we've read about in Exodus. And now this day comes where Moses stands before the One whom he wrote about. The one who he said, the one who will follow me, listen to him. He stands there on the Mount of Transfiguration. 
Just as Philip said to Nathanael, we have found him who Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And here Moses stands on this mountain. Did Moses bow down and worship God as God passed by him and he saw all his glory? But Christ does not bow down. Christ is the one Moses worshipped. Uh, Moses was merely just a sign pointing to Christ. He stood once more at the top of the mountain in the presence of God. But yet, at the end of the transfiguration, Moses is gone. It is Jesus who is alone. Like the author of Hebrews explains that in many ways, in many places, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets, but in these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son. This time has changed. Moses is merely pointing towards Christ. When Christ has come, Moses moves out of the way. Moses fulfilled his calling. Jesus became a prophet better than Moses. He would speak to his people. Jesus was God's presence. No longer a type or a shadow or a copy of the heavenly things. God with us. And amongst His people. Jesus is the mediator. Moses was a mere man who needed to make sacrifices for atonement of sin for his own sin. Whereas Christ shed His own blood, not with bulls and goats. The great high priest who gave of Himself. Jesus is who Moses longed for. Paul compares the ministry of under Moses to the ministry under Christ, explains in 2 Corinthians. The same veil remains unlifted today because it is only through Christ that the veil is taken away. It's only the one who turns to the Lord that the veil is then removed. The transfiguration shows that Christ is the greater Moses. The author of Hebrews again explains in Hebrews 3.3, For Jesus had counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house, has more honor than the house itself. Peter and John testified that they were eyewitnesses of this glory. Moses was a faithful servant in God's house, but Jesus is a faithful son over God's house. God the Father speaks from the cloud on the mountain transfiguration, making this clear. This is my beloved Son. In Christ we hold fast in confidence and boast not in ourselves, but in Christ. Christ is our prophet. Christ is God's presence. Christ is our mediator. The house of God is God's people. Paul writes, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. Now Lord is Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image of the one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. 
We behold the glory of God in all of His majesty and splendor through our Lord Jesus Christ. But it says, and we are being transformed. That word transformed is the same word, metamorphosis, where we get the word metamorphosis, which is used of Christ's transfiguration. That we behold His glory and majesty, like Moses, our face begins to shine. That we are being transfigured into the same image of one degree of glory to another. But Mark goes deeper than just saying that Christ, Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the prophet. Are you listening to Him? Jesus is God's presence. Are you seeking Him? Jesus is the mediator. Is He your mediator? And we with unveiled faces behold the glory of God. Moses there at the transfiguration because he's one of the great heralds which announces Christ. He was a witness of the fulfillment of Peter's confession. You are the Christ. Peter Adams has this long yet glorious quote of the whole Christ is the sum of Scriptures. He explains, This blessed Christ is the sole paragon of our joy and the joy fountain of life, the foundation of all blessedness, the sum of the whole Bible prophesied, typified, uh, prefigured, exhibited, demonstrated, to be found in every leaf, almost in every line. The Scriptures beginning as they were the swaddling bands of Christ Jesus. Abraham, Moses, Joshua, Samson, David are all renowned, yet are all but meant on the by. Christ is the main, the center, whither all these lines referred. They were all His forerunners to prepare His way. It is that fit the harborings and heralds should go before the great Prince. Only John the Baptist was the one before the morning star to signify the sun approaching. The morning was never worthy of Him, especially not so early. It was too rich a jewel to be exposed to the first opening of the shop. Therefore, it is wrapped up in the obscure shadows, the tree of life, Noah's ark, Jacob's ladder. Therefore, called the expectation of nations, longed and looked for more than healthy health to the sick or life to the dying. Through the Old Testament points, especially we saw this morning through Moses points to Christ. And Christ came. Christ died. He was rose again, now sits, sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Let's go to Him in prayer. O gracious Heavenly Father, we give thanks and praise to You. We give You thanks and praise that what is concealed in the Old Testament is revealed in the New. Lord, that we are blessed to have the whole sum of Scriptures. To be able to understand Christ as the one who has come to save sinners. Lord, we pray that we would not just know of Christ, but know Him. Lord, know Him as our prophet. Know Him as Your presence with us. Know Him as our mediator. It's only through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. 
Seven Springs Presbyterian Church began in 1874 and is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Glade Spring, Virginia. Please join us for worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. for His glory and His gospel.